Hi, I'm Kaylee, and you're listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy! Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Well, I know you guys have been waiting two whole weeks to hear the second part of my interview with Gina Carr. If you didn't get to hear the first part of the interview, go back and check out the last podcast before listening to this one. Now, I know that you've had to wait a while to hear this, and you will not be disappointed. I loved this conversation with Gina. She's so open, candid, genuine. There are a lot of hard things you're going to hear in this episode. But it's so good to hear Gina's take on how the Lord has sustained her, her ideas about grief and the things that the Lord has taught her through her experiences, and also some glimpses of joy along the way. So I won't make you wait any longer. With that, let's jump into the conversation. Okay, so I think where we left off is Tyson's ministry and some of the things the Lord taught you in your marriage. And you want to pick up from there? Sure. Okay. Thanks for having me back <laughs> for the rest of this yeah, riveting which story. Which was really like 10 minutes ago, but in real time, <laughs> now two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so fast forward, and we're back from Mozambique, and we're settling down in our new town, making friends and forming community where we are. And we're diving into taking care of Tyson's mom yeah, and really walking in this new conviction that we have and just this new revelation really from the Lord about covering and taking that seriously with his mom who had been alone for years. So what that looked like was really just taking and making an investment and taking part in every area of her life as an elderly person who was vulnerable. It looked like managing her medications for her, her finances, her health, her doctor's appointments. The transition for her started, we found a great independent living type place. And that was a year that we, um, she was there and she thrived in community. And we started to see her come alive, just feeling secure and confident that we were there and we were covering her and she wasn't alone. Yeah. It was really beautiful. But as we looked at what, you know, what was right for her future over time, we felt the Lord leading us to have her with us. So we found a home that we could make to make a mother-in-law suite downstairs not very far at all from our home and the community that we were part of. So it all happened really quickly. Um, we were able to buy this house and we moved and we moved her. And this was our commitment to her for the rest of her life indefinitely. Yeah. And you didn't know how long that would be. And we didn't know how long that would be. We just, that was our permanent decision for her wow. and our commitment to her. And we set up a really cute little space for her downstairs, and she um, loved it and felt cozy, and we shared family dinners, and the boys would go downstairs and watch TV with her, read to her, and we just, we made a lot of great memories. So, but, but backing up, 
making these major decisions, parenting comes into play. The decision to move to Mozambique, back, all these really big steps of obedience. When you're single, it's one thing. When you're married, it's another. And then when you have kids, it's a whole, there's a whole nother level. Yes, there is. Are we making the right decision? How is this going to affect them? And so it just led me to a lot of, I guess, just crossroads with the Lord. Like, are we making the right decision and how is this going to affect them? And especially with that new decision to commit forever to his mom and have her there. One day I was praying about it um, and trying to envision how that would affect them in the future. Would she, you know, they're going to get really close to her and eventually, most likely, we're, you know, she's going to pass away before us and this is going to be hard. Right. Risky, I guess. You know, loving in a radical way can be risky and you don't ever want your kids' hearts to hurt. But I just was quickly reminded from of a quote from a book that I, I love. It's called Hind's Feet on High Places. And it's an allegory. And one of the characters is much afraid. And one of the characters is the shepherd. Yeah. And one part the shepherd says, but much afraid, I've already warned you that love and pain go together for a time at least. If you would know love, you must know pain too. Yeah. And I knew I want them to know love. Uh-huh. And I know that our kids will have pain, but we can, I can entrust them to the Lord. Yeah. And I felt like that was a moment that the Lord was saying, yes, you're making the right decision. Trust their hearts to me and let them watch you love. Leave, leave a legacy of love. Don't just self-protect. Yes. And so that's a theme in all the rest of your story of what you're going to share today, yeah. I think, for sure. Yeah. So I'm thinking that took a lot of courage, first of all. I mean, I know the Holy Spirit gives us that when we need it. But the other thing I'm thinking about is uh, caretaking for somebody who's older than you and two little people at the same time. And that is exhausting. So I assume you had counted the cost of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> some extent I think it's kind of like you dip your toe in the water we had already been caretaking um to some extent with you know like I said just groceries and medicine and doctors it took the caretaking to a new level for sure but I feel like we kind of had that that precursor precursor yeah that it didn't seem so extreme but you're right. It was another step of faith of kind of stepping into the deep end and trusting the Lord to give us the grace. I've heard somebody say, like, you have enough grace for today. Don't try to hoard up grace for tomorrow. And that's kind of how, how I roll. Like, okay, the Lord's giving me grace for today and he'll give me grace for tomorrow. So that's what we did. And I don't think we got the last picture hung, the last box unpacked. Literally, I think it was a month later that we found out Tyson's mom had lung cancer. She got a cold and we took her to urgent care and it was found on a chest x-ray. So Uh, that left our heads spinning. We could not believe it. I mean, we were just, here we go, you know, we're in another season. Um, 
of intensity. Mm-hmm. So that's one word for it. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. That is the word that describes that next season was intensity. Um, she lived. She only lived fourteen months after that. Well, maybe less than that. So what we thought was an indefinite journey of the next five, ten years was fifteen months. And it was, we, we walked, we walked the road with her. She could not tolerate chemo. She just was too feeble, but she had radiation. She did treatments every day for, I forget, six weeks or so. Yeah. And then we just cared for her. Um, We had hospice in our home, caregivers. No wonder the Lord gave you that passage in advance about love and pain mixed together. I mean, that was, you were really going to live that. Yeah. Yeah. We, that was a season that we could look back and see the markers. We could see the Lord setting us up for that assignment. I mean, we had no idea when we felt so compelled to have move her with us. Mm-hmm. Had she been diagnosed when she wasn't with us and we had to, would have had to scramble to figure out the best living situation, the whole yeah. thing in that she, we were able to cover her literally to the very end. Mm-hmm. And that was so important to us. And if the season was beyond hard, uh-huh. but we had that word from the Lord about covering her, and that was our anchor. And even in hard, like we felt the Lord's pleasure in it. And we had so many friends say what you guys are doing is so countercultural and we were able to model caring well for one of our aging parents Mm -hmm. and it was not easy and I think we both struggle with but don't put us on a pedestal because we were clumsy and we did not always have the grace we needed and we didn't do a perfect job and we could have done better and we had you know a friend you know, sharing those struggles with friends, say, but you did, but you did, you did it. Yeah. Um, and there were times we had no idea how we were going to do it, especially towards the end, her care, she needed around the clock care and we were having to take turns, but the Lord came to our rescue over and over. And looking back over the season with Tyson's mom and just the season from when we came back, North Carolina. One of the themes I can think of is community. And during that season, we didn't really have the capacity to go work real hard at it. And I'm just so thankful that that was another need that the Lord met that was unmerited. But we would meet, I would meet a friend at the library, and then we'd meet a friend at the park, and then another friend at a birthday party until. We looked up and had this whole amazing community here, and we you know, found ourselves with a church community, and we all lived close together, but it wasn't just our own specific church community. It was the whole community, the body of Christ, which I love that you don't have to go to the same church to be in community. Like The Lord, is his boundaries aren't right. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. We just love, you know, the body of Christ in general. So, and I love it because when we have that kind of community, we can do hard things. 
because there's no way we could have pulled this off by ourselves. We had friends bring us meals, not like a sign up, but like, the Lord put you on my heart tonight. Would it be helpful to bring a meal? Yes, thank you. Like at just the right time. Or can I take your kids? Or can I come sit with your mother-in-law or bring her, you know, people invested in her too, bringing her food or flowers or sitting with her, visiting with her. And then towards the end, when it got really tough, really tough, I've never felt like I am not sure how, if the Lord doesn't come through, I'm not sure how we can pull this off as, mm-hmm. <laughs> as Tyson and Gina here with round the clock care. Friends rallied around and we were able to pay caregivers around the clock towards the very end, um, which was a total godsend. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest, one of the most impactful things I can think of was the actual day that we lost his mom, which you would think that we were prepared, but we weren't. And you don't really, we didn't see it coming, even though here we had been for three years and then for a year of this intensity. Um, she passed away in the evening and that had been one of my prayers, like, Lord, you know, just protect the kids surrounding this circumstance and the timing and just, and he did. They were running around upstairs and I was trying to bathe them. And then here we found ourselves in this critical moment. And, um, I didn't know what to do, but to just get on a text thread. So, I texted four or five of my girlfriends that we all lived really close with this just she's she's leaving us right now. I need someone in my house upstairs with my kids. They're in the bath. Hurry, help, come. Who can come? I think I said who can come. (laughs) And I kid you not, I don't even think it was five minutes, but within minutes, I had a friend walking through my front door up the stairs playing with my kids, reading them books, putting them to bed. That's really special. It was. It was just, I felt like the Lord's, as I've talked about covering, um, I felt like he covered them and he covered us. And that was a real fear of mine as a mom. Like I said, when we made this decision of how it's going to impact the kids, I was afraid, like, how is this going to, how is this going to play out? And are the kids going to be upset in the way that he he just provides mm-hmm. moment by moment? And that was such a beautiful picture of community and his provision. And they never were traumatized. Yeah. They did not have fear. Um, my 10-year-old, he just, he really lives from the heart. And when I was younger, I was kind of afraid of older people or hospitals <laughs> or things like that. I shied away from. And here we had hospital bed and all this stuff. And he just, he would sit down there for long periods of time. And I have a picture of him playing his guitar for her. Oh, and that's like, really sweet. Um, With just hospital paraphernalia everywhere. And he's just sitting there playing music. I mean, he's he, he was eight, so it was... It was a joyful noise, but um, just his peace and um, fearlessness. But how good for him and how good for her for different reasons, I think. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah. She was surrounded by family and friends and 
it was it was really beautiful and we were so glad that we were able to do that yeah so do you want to share about like the transition after that point because um in case our listeners haven't already figured it out like this just keeps going the saga there's Uh, as, as you and I were talking about, about this, like preparing for the podcast and what you might want to talk about, the phrase that really stuck out from, to me was going from sorrow to sorrow. You think that everything's over and then something else happens and there's joy in the middle of it and like this sweet intertwining of bittersweet. So if you've listened to the first part um, and up to now, you know that we had been overseas and we had had sickness and we came back and then we um, ventured to take over um, care with Tyson's mom. And so here we are. We had we just lost her. And for anybody that's walked through a lengthy illness or lost a parent or any loved one to a terminal illness, it can be so intense that you really don't have time to grieve in the midst of it all. Right. And then when, you know, she passed away, we felt this just mix of emotions of relief and grief Mm -hmm. at the same time. We almost didn't know what to do with ourselves. Um, We had been in such an intense situation and physically taxing for so long that we felt this mixed bag of relief. And we're able to finally let down for the first time in a long time. And yet we were grieving the loss of our mom and our mother-in-law and our grandma and walking with the kids through that so much sooner than I ever dreamed we would be. Mm -hmm. So um, fast forward, that was at the end of August of 2017. We found out that I was pregnant in November of 2017 so yeah. just a few months later and we were overcome with joy mm-hmm. we were we felt like such a shift from the season that we had been been in of the difficulties and hardships and all four of us were so excited and had the same response of just laughing and crying and just I can't really hardly explain it except we were filled with joy. Yeah. And and when friends have walked through such difficulty with you, they were equally as ecstatic for us. Like the cars are finally like in a new season and like the Lord's just bringing joy. And we were super excited and everything was going awesome. We had that first appointment and saw the baby's heartbeat which always undoes me every time uh-huh. I've heard my baby's heartbeats. I just lose it. And um, so that was that was awesome. And now looking back, that was such a sacred time for Tyson and I together to see our little baby's heartbeat up on the screen. And after, so as we were so overcome with joy and excitement and just felt like this was a new season, we quickly had a name for this baby, which was unusual for the first two times we were pregnant. We waited and prayed and we didn't have a name for the boys until way later, until after we knew their gender. And we love names. We just, we love to pray into them and we feel like names have such significance over our identities. And so it's something we take really seriously. Yeah. Love to, and then just love to find out what they are, you know? 
So we were baffled that this name came to us so quickly, and we both felt like this baby was a girl, and the name was a girl's name. And it was one we agreed on, and we both loved. Of course, Joy was in the name. We were like, we hope this is a girl, because we, you know, the name Joy was a given at that point. But the name that we loved was River Joy. And um, then we'd like meet somebody named River. And then it just kept getting confirmed over and over. And then one day I was praying like, okay, Lord, is this really, is this, is this you? And I went to Psalm 46 and I start reading. And it's the Psalm that says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And when I read that, it was one of those rhema words from God like just a moment with he and I and I read it again and I heard him say there is a capital R river whose streams are going to bring gladness and she's right inside of you I just I, I wept and I journaled and I cried and I just after all it was just after all that we had walked through that you know he was bringing joy mm-hmm. and that he gifted us with this life and so we were already so overcome and so just knew this baby's life had so much purpose mm-hmm. that um when we found out we lost her that january it just it was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back for me yes um so we found out the following January, um, we thought we were around 13 weeks that we had lost the baby. And we were crushed mm-hmm. and blindsided. And presumptuously, I just thought the Lord had taken care of my other two babies. He was going to take care of this one. I was yeah. healthy. I just was totally caught off guard. And I had told myself we had been through enough suffering. I had decided this was a season of joy and that like we had met our quota and that we were moving forward. And so, again, I thought we had worked through some theology of suffering through the other things. Well, this totally just crushed any sort of handle I thought I had on suffering. It really just hit me in the jugular. Mm -hmm. And I found myself in a really dark place for about a year yeah we we homeschool but we take it year by year and I see now that year we put the kids in school and I see the Lord's hand in that as well because I would get the get them dropped off and then just come home and weep and weep and weep and sit in my little prayer chair with my journal I just sat there with the Lord in my darkness and it was the first time There was nothing I could make sense of or pinpoint or wrap my brain around. These other journeys that we had been on, I could see, well, I could see, you know, where the Lord had been moving or working or, but this, I just found myself in a just soul crushing place. Uh Like where did the hope go? Yeah. And I couldn't see any possible redemption. Mm-hmm. I love to read and I love to seek out books and mentors through books. And I found a book called Grace Like Scarlet, Grieving with Hope After Miscarriage and Loss. It's by Adriel Booker. 
And I could not recommend this book highly enough to anybody who's walked through or is walking through miscarriage and loss. It, um, she just spoke right to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit with that book in a journal and read and pray and cry and sometimes not be able to pray. And I think what I learned from that season is like, it's okay to feel disoriented with the Lord. He's not disoriented with you. Yes, that's really good. It's really good. Yeah. And he can handle your questions and your anger and your confusion and your disillusionment in a weird way. I never, I felt him so close to me, yet I felt so disoriented with mm-hmm. who he was at that time. He is the God of all comfort. And I think grief is really messy. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. It's messy. There is no proper way to do it. Yeah. And it's not, it's not neat. Like you said, neat and tidy or linear mm-hmm. and it can hit you out of nowhere. You can cycle through anger or bargaining, you know, you don't get to really pick what you're on. on <laughs> so true. In, in Adriel's book, Grace Like Scarlet, she says that grief commands our attention. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And that season that um, we had the kids in school and I, that's really all I could do was just come home and, and weep and lament. That was another really theme is that it was that was a season of lamenting. And I realized that our culture and grief, there's a time limit. People want you to work through your grief and move on. You, we don't have to do that. And you can take your time to grieve. Yes. Okay, so I'm a counselor. So forgive me if I'm overstepping my bounds on this, but I'm just going to say that um, I wouldn't be surprised if you were grieving more than the baby because you've just described five years of grief, like compounding. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like this was the one thing that broke the camel's back and you were just broken. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there were many, many feelings for many, many years that had welled up at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. This so glad your kids were in school. Broke open the floodgates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so glad, too, that I had that season and that um, I, um, I don't want to say listen to my heart, but listen to myself and mm-hmm. where I was and allowed myself, basically, to sit in my grief mm-hmm. and to, like she says, deep dive into it. Yeah. And know, like, deep dive down to the bottom and know that you're okay mm-hmm. and that you're going to be okay and that the Lord, He goes with you there. You're right. And the season that we're in now, actually, I'll lead into that. Just a month after we had lost the baby, a good friend of ours who's a pediatrician called and said, there's these two little girls in foster care, and the foster family is unable to adopt them, but they're praying and looking for a Christian family. Would you and Tyson, I know that's been on your heart, and it had been. And actually, it just kept coming around Yeah. Uh, after. So when I was doing foster care, speaking of meeting people at parks, I met you at a park. That's right. And you were, like, asking me all kinds of questions about my foster baby at that time. And and then we connected on Facebook. So, yeah, that had been something you were thinking about long before, I guess, because that was probably 2017 Mm -hmm. that I met you. It had. It had been on our hearts for a long time. 
And we always thought it was something, you know, okay, well, down the road, down the road. And then we knew, you know, after we lost River Joy, um, we, I'll just say the Lord kept bringing foster care in front of us, in Mm -hmm. front of us, in front of us. And we knew it was him. So these two little girls, um, it was one of those, well, this feels kind of soon, but Lord, this could be you. So we searched out the matter. And long story short, we weren't prepared. We were still in our grief. We weren't even licensed. But it connected us with their social worker who saw our heart for fostering and ended up later on walking us through the process. And those two little girls have an amazing story, and they were adopted by this family who had been praying for two little girls. So I feel like we... You know, our no was somebody else's yes. And yeah. It's okay. Like, we can trust the Lord with that. Suddenly, we found ourselves in this fostering process not too long after these other losses. And at first, we thought we could handle it. And then back to this gr- grief commanding our attention. Looking back, I see that I was kind of in the bargaining phase. Mm-hmm. And I found myself trying to write my own redemption story yes. in my mind. Like, oh, now I can see maybe what the Lord's doing. My arms aren't going to be empty. But quickly the grief started commanding my attention again. And I realized I needed to put that on the shelf and that my heart needed time to grieve Mm -hmm. and feel the emptiness of that loss. Mm -hmm. And so we, we tabled it for a year, actually, not intentionally, that we just did not feel ready for a year. That's good that you gave yourself time. Yeah. My grief didn't really give me a choice, but it was good because in that season of darkness, one of, one of the scriptures that stands out to me is Psalm 139 that says, where can I go from your spirit? Uh-huh. Our darkness is light to him mm-hmm. is basically what I got it. But it doesn't say that we don't have our darkness mm-hmm. and that we can, it's okay to have a season of darkness, but it doesn't mean that God's in the dark. Right. And sometimes one of the things that really just broke open for me in Adriel's book, Grace Like Scarlet, she says, for a Christian, you know, our faith is a covenant with God. And sometimes that is what it gets stripped down to. Mm-hmm. And he will never leave his covenant with us. So we're safe to grieve and walk through times of confusion and darkness and we can mine such treasures in that time and I feel like the Lord gave me so many treasures of closeness with him Mm -hmm. during that season Mm -hmm. do you want to share about the joy yeah that's come now yeah so we um we took our time to grieve and and we, you know, looked into different avenues. And every time he just kept bringing us back to the fostering, kept bringing us back. So at the first of the year, 2019, maybe February, we reconnected with our social worker. And she was so wise. She did not pursue us or push our door down. Like, I think she knew that we needed that time. So she welcomed us back through, you know, back into the process. And we completed our licensing by the beginning of April. By later spring, we found ourselves with a baby girl. She was seven months when she came to us. And she has been just a burst of joy to our home. 
In fact, I didn't even know her name when we said yes, you know. And after she was with us, one day I decided to look up what her name meant. So I look up what her name means, and her name means the father's joy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's so beautiful. When I read that, I, you know, I just, I wept. Uh-huh. And I've wept since that. <sighs> yes. Here yes. we could not make sense of what we thought the Lord was bringing, you know, a season of joy and gave us a, a baby that named a river joy mm-hmm. and that we felt so confused and in the dark. And then he, we received this gift called the father's joy. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering because um, I have done foster care and I know that it's a mixed bag emotionally because you never because you never quite know what's going to happen next with court dates and all those kinds of things. I know that the story's not over, right? But where are you now as far as like processing, suffering, what the Lord has led you through, where this sweet little girl comes into your story? Do you have any things that you want to share with us about that? Yeah. I think people could say, okay, you've, you know, jumped out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. <laughs> I was said a little than that, but yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's what I tell myself we must look like at times. Well, foster care is risky. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. I think some people go into it for the wrong reasons or whatever, and I know that you didn't, but it still can be risky because yeah. there's attachment that happens and yeah. and it's meant to happen. Yeah. So. I think that's why I took the time to grieve. And I, at that point, I could not, my heart wasn't ready Mm -hmm. for that. And um, I wouldn't tell everybody to sign up for it. Honestly, I feel like our journeys are a walk of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And we, it doesn't make sense on a lot of levels. Like, why would you sign up for more heartbreak and risk? And I really can't explain except for that. I know that we have just prayed and sought the Lord and over and over he's opened doors and led us to that point. And the story's not over. She is a lot of joy, but she is not ours. And we hold her with open hands, but we're totally in love with her and Mm -hmm. our hearts are totally in the deep end. Mm Mm-hmm. And foster care is a mixed bag because we love her parents Mm -hmm. and we want the best for them. Mm -hmm. You cannot love their child and not love them. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. We have found that just our hearts compelled towards towards them. And so it's a mixed bag and I don't feel responsible for sorting it out. I feel like it's the Lord's to redeem and sort out. And I was talking to a good friend the other day, and she she asked me that. She's like, so how do you feel like you're able to put your heart on the line like this? And this is a friend that's walked through, we walked with us for a long time. And I think I shared it earlier, but it's Psalm 139, 7 through 12. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Yeah, so my friend, you know, she, and then later she said that really stuck out to me, what you said, and I had just rattled it off, um, that, you know, you guys can do this hard thing because you know that the Lord, when you've walked through hard things, the gift is you look back and you see that he's been with you and you've mined treasures along the way. And I look back over this backdrop of all that I've just shared. And that's what all, all it really is, is a backdrop of his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And there have been moments, you know, their joy is woven in. And just to see his hand in all of it and on us and the cleansing that it's been to us. And I thought, how am I going to wrap this up? Because there's not an abode to put on top. There's not a conclusion. We're in this season of joy and this blessing, um, but there are no guarantees and it's risky in the heart realm, you know, but there's grace for today. And I don't, you know, I take it, we take it one day at a time. And I got to thinking, you know, it's just an illusion that if our goal is to reach safety, like to reach this place that never, this place of protection from any sorrow or suffering or safety. Jesus didn't live that way. He didn't detach his heart from sorrow. I don't think that's really the goal. But if we know that on the top or at the bottom, he's there. We can walk unafraid. Well, I'm so glad that you shared your story. And what I want everybody to know is that this was a burden of love because the computer messed up and kept stopping and we would have to re-record pieces over and over again. So I just am so thankful that you're here, number one. Number two, that you... um had the wherewithal not only to survive in life through hardship, but through this podcast in hardship. <laughs> I was telling her before this started, I've had uh, one person talk about contentment and the computer messed up. I had one person talk about humbling and the audio messed up. And today here you're talking about <laughs> grief through life. And then we had grief recording. So light and momentary I'm troubles. Light and momentary <laughs> troubles. Thank you very much. That's right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Your story has meant a lot to me, and I think we've bonded a little bit on pieces that are similar. Um, and I think probably a lot of people are impacted after they've heard the story as well in different parts of your story, because there are so many different things that can relate to so many people. I hope so. I really do. And I appreciate you having me here to share. I'm honored. Thanks again to Gina for sharing your story. I know it's hard sometimes to be vulnerable and to share what the Lord has done, but I know that it impacts a lot of other people. And I pray that this story impacted you and that there are ripples across the pond and that the Lord continues to spread His joy, His peace, and His comfort through this story and in your lives. If something about this podcast resonated with you, please go on the website underneath the show notes for this podcast episode and leave a comment or join the conversation on PRN's Facebook page. 
You can find PRN on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and on almost any podcasting app. Do me a favor and go on iTunes and give this podcast a good rating. That makes it a lot easier for new listeners to find this podcast. Well, that's all for this podcast episode. I'm your host, Jenny Detweiler, with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.